All right, today on the Everything is Marketing podcast, we talk to the Anthony Bourdain of drummers. How about that? That's what we're going to do. It's the Everything is Marketing podcast with Josh from Pop Evil. Marketers ruin everything. Welcome to the Everything is Marketing podcast. What I don't want to do is to pretend this is show number one. What would the hero of your life's movie do right now? Do that. Do those things. It is the Everything is Marketing podcast. My name is Eric Hulkren and uh, very excited. I've been friends with most of these guys for a very, very long time. And it's, it's rare that the guys from Pop Evil get to land in Grand Rapids for more than 15 minutes. So when Josh and I were able to talk on uh, Twitter and you were in town, I, I'm thankful that you have a couple of minutes to spend with us. So Josh, uh, welcome. No, thank you. I'm excited. I'm glad it worked out and I'm happy to be here. So you guys, I mean, we were talking before the podcast started, you guys have been on the road for a minute. Uh, The album dropped this week um, Mm -hmm. and you can get it at Best Buy. They've got the deluxe version there. Super excited to see that you guys are doing vinyl because I I know that that's a that's a thing that everyone's excited about. But not every band kind of has the the ability to put that out. Absolutely. Um, So awesome that you guys are able to do that and kind of cash in. I don't mean that in a negative way, but like cash in on where a lot of people are putting their passionate yeah. Well, anything we can do to inc- incorporate or encourage physical sales, not even just for ourselves, like in terms of a financial cash gain by you, but like, I'm a huge physical copy guy. So like anytime we have an opportunity to increase someone buying anyone's record or CD, I'm 100% about that. Well, and, and let me ask you a question about that, because as somebody who's um, signed up for every streaming service that exists. I played with every <laughs> yeah, single one of right. them and, and I have thoughts on all of them. I'm currently with Apple because okay. I, I think given my repertoire, I've said this a million times, but given my repertoire um, in the radio universe, I've had, I have so many songs on iTunes that I feel that the serendipity of the streaming and my physical, my pseudo digital physical music together right. works really well on that platform in a way that it doesn't on Spotify or, or title that said, I'm finding that myself that when I'm exposed to an artist or a band on Spotify or title or Apple music, and I love it. Step two is to go buy the vinyl. And if it doesn't exist, right. I feel like I'm missing a part because I'm really enjoying the tactile nature of having to physically get up and flip your record over. Yes. Right? So I have to be a part of the exchange. I like that. I, I always, I've always been an artwork guy. I really like to open, you know, CD is cool and like the digipack and all the digipack is a cool evolution, but like the vinyl, I remember being young and like getting a vinyl and you open it, you can have like a full size poster. Mm-hmm. Like it just to me is so much more art and it's so much more of an experience to be had. And it's on every level for me as a consumer, it's absolutely worth it. And I think it's, you have to be more intentional, right? That we're at this and you guys feel it more than anybody being on the road. I mean, any artist, not you specifically, but, but any artist feels this strain now that the ubiquity of music, which I, I think when we were 16, we probably would have thought was the coolest idea ever. That <laughs> music is just everywhere. That's it's, awesome. Yeah, it's easy. And then when you're trying to pay your bills, you're like, oh my God, music is everywhere. Stop. I can't, how do I get Stop to, giving it stop away. Stop giving it to everybody. <laughs> and so, you know, there's this interesting, um, you've gone from scarcity or pseudo scarcity right mm-hmm. to now it's everywhere so having the ability to get somebody to in some in some way to pick up a physical copy has to be kind of rewarding yeah absolutely that's huge i feel like if you can it's almost like a relationship because you have to get them to commit to a full record not you know just a single and as you mentioned before you know you if you hear an artist on uh spotify or apple play whatever it may be title and you decide to go buy the record, you know, that's a huge victory for the artist. Um, and I was always a kid growing up. Admittedly, I was a user of LimeWire and other illegal sure. sources at times. 
But I was also the person that would go and download all these songs that would be recommended or out here or had high download rates. And if I liked stuff from them, I would then go purchase the record. But I don't know what ensures that translation. Well, and, and I, you know, I would say um, younger Josh it shouldn't be vilified for that because that wasn't your fault. That was the industry's fault, right? Like the industry just went the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to be it. That's the that's dumbest the, thing I've ever heard. Nobody's it's never going to work. No one's going to want to have access to every ounce of information ever. Right. That's stupid. <laughs> you know, so. They built that, right? Yeah. The, the whole Napster, LimeWire, Kazaa, that universe was built out of their ignorance that they're still paying for and, right and, now. And it needed right? to happen, really. I mean, and I think it, we're lucky that it happened and happened so exponentially quick so that, you know, what if it hadn't got as big as it did as fast as it did? It would probably be still happening and wouldn't – it never would have got brought to the limelight, you know, because it got so big so fast. We were forced to go after – we being the industry. Sure. To go shut that down and – you know, what if it would have just stayed small enough to stay under the radar and just, you know, I know people still do it, but with the recommendation and uh, the growth of things like Tidal, Apple Play, Spotify, we're def Pandora even now, we're definitely limiting that and trying to find a way to, in some way, you know, uh, monetize and regulate that. I would agree with the regulation, but I mean, as an artist, you can't possibly minimal. tell me that you're getting it's paid. Yeah. Like, what do you get? Pennies on the thousands? Yeah, right? it's, uh, I remember our first. Uh, and then there's five of you in the right. Like, yeah, the digital the digital series. You know, I remember seeing. Uh, so uh, Nick is a guitar player, and one of our songs we worked on together. He got sent his first royalty check for it, and it was for. I mean, it was for like ten thousand uh, streams. It was a pretty significant number, and I want to say that it was like a dollar forty seven. Yeah, because isn't I mean, I mean the, it like, like, costs but, more to send him the check. Sure, well, and and isn't like the the world famous story is the Aloe Black I'm the Man story, right? Yeah, four million streams on Spotify, yeah. and he got a check for four thousand dollars. Yeah, right. Like that, you can't scale like that when you're the biggest song in the world at right. that moment, and you make four thousand dollars on it. It makes it really hard for you. And to, so this is this is we're we're basically sharing the complaint of all the artists. You sure, know, we make music now, nobody buys it. They all steal it or they stream it for free, and we don't make any money. And I. I hear that as taken in that direct context, but at the same time with the growth of the internet, we have a people like you, like yourself, you just mentioned, Oh, I heard this single on Spotify. And then I went and bought the record. There's no way to translate and like see those facts. And what about just the simple fact of, you know, ticket sales? If you hear the song on your $10 a month stream, Spotify, maybe I did only pay him one tenth of a cent for that. But because I heard the song on Spotify so easily presented to me, I went out and bought tickets, bought a shirt, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and, and you guys, if you, if anybody has paid attention to you guys, even as individual human beings, right? Josh and, and uh, you know, all the guys, the guys yeah. you know, Lee, all those guys. Um, you guys have built communities around yourselves individually that have then translated into the, the Pop Evil Twitter account and then the Pop Evil Facebook account. And so now you have tribes of human beings that are going out to see you because I, even when I knew you guys – having intimate knowledge of what this process is like and how arduous it is and non-sexy and all of those things. Yeah. Even when I knew you guys were at the arduous, we're in the, the, the foxhole being shot at, you know, Lee, you better know what the hell you're doing right now because yeah. we are all trusting that this is a thing. You're still, the rooms are full, right? And like there were points where the rooms were full and I knew you guys weren't making billions of dollars. Absolutely. And that's, that's still true. And, and it's so much of a market. Well, yes, you're not market. making billions of dollars. Yeah, of but, course like, not. No, I mean, uh, yeah, you, you, there's it's a weird you know concept because there is a, there is a, a great deal of money being exchanged you know in the flow of the circulation of what's happening 
people are like, well, there has to be money. You have to be making money. Sure. There's X amount of ticket. And people, people can do basic math and figure that part out. What they don't understand is out of the pie, how many people are taking pieces, uh, what the overhead expenses are. Um, and, 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 and it's just, it's one of those things that's inevitable. Like, I, I don't really worry about it or beat myself up about it because I feel like it's, it's just, it's something I can't control. I control, I work hard and believe in and uh, try to focus my efforts on things I can control and expenses to the majority of the degree, something that you can't control. Like you need management. You really do today. Um, you need to some degree, you need, if you don't want a label, that's fine. I think maybe you don't need a label today, but you definitely are going to need a PR staff. You need yep. someone well, to you, get out it, there. Yeah. You need somebody to do that. Do you guys have somebody running your social or is that still you We guys? have both. So we have like uh, a team that uh, is out there promoting and pressing and then works within our social media. But we multiple times a day individually check, respond, and post to social media. So it is also a team effort. And I, I think every band is probably different. Um, but we like to try to stay engaged as much as possible. And then also a few of us have individual pages, like you mentioned. And I think that's super important because I've always, now that we are so accessible as a band, every band is so accessible. Mm -hmm. People's expectations of you are ridiculous. I mean, if someone sends you a Facebook message and you respond once and they answer you again and you don't respond, people take it really personal and they, they, they just expect more. And I remember when I was young, all I expected of Aerosmith was to put out a record. Right. That was well, it. yeah. And, and tour. And, and what you're referring to is this, this art form that I, I know happens specifically like in the business world, right? Mm -hmm. When you email Seth Godin or you email Gary Vaynerchuk, they will respond yeah. one time, yeah. right? And they're, they're very good at crafting that email Absolutely. to let you know that, that this is it, bro. It was like, read. It was responded. Yep, thank you. Yep, we're done. Yes. Um, but when you're dealing with art, it gets a little wonky, right? Because you wrote Absolutely. a song that changed my life. Right. And then you responded to me and now, now we're now we're. Now we're friends. Right, right. Now we're friends. And it's not that those people aren't important. I don't want no, anyone to ever no. think that. But the the social responsibility of, of anyone, music, artist, actor, actress, whatever you want to say is just – it's overwhelming with social media. And you can't almost – you have to like really make a 100% commitment to your fans in doing it or you just literally cannot have a social media page. It's got to be – some some people have found a way like like bands – you know, bands like uh, Tool, they're almost their their unattainable allure is part of what makes them so cool. Y yes, but even they've cheated, right? Absolutely. Like Maynard's in Pucifer, yeah. and and they respond to everything. And they exactly. they respond to everything that you exactly. do, right? Like he sells wine. You want to talk to him about wine? He'll do He'll anything for wine, right? So you even blame, can't blame him for that, though. No, 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 no. I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not blaming him for any of that stuff. But even they knew that yep. they had to go do individual stuff and start these other brands that could be a shade of gray of Tool that never Absolutely. the two shall mix. Howsoever. You can still talk to Maynard on right. Twitter if you would like to, right? Um, and you know, and he responds on Facebook under those brands, and, and yes. So even they, who have been doing a great job of somehow, and, and I know you guys probably talk about this late at night when you're trying to figure out what's the next step, <laughs> right. but like have somehow kept momentum yeah. without putting out an album in a decade. Queens of the Stone Age is another band like that, but Josh, like you said, has 50 side projects, constantly works with other artists. 
Um, and he, you know, he hitches his wagon to Dave Grohl, who exactly. is who is one of those. I think he's pretty famous. I've heard once in a while. He is. Pre- I, he's get, I mean, he's getting there. <laughs> yeah, he's they're only really hard. they're only playing Wrigley this weekend, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, he'll, he's getting there. But I mean, he's a guy who, like you said, has gone all in on fans, yes. right? Like that's he's made that commitment to. If it's he's not there. him personally responding on Facebook, he's going to make a show on HBO so you can see how a record was made. Yes, and then he's going to show up in your hometown and play in a two hundred cap room. Right. He's the man. I mean, the guy has it figured out. Congrats to Dave Grohl. But even he had to go through that whole process, it's right? It's a like, big learning phase, I really feel like, you know, and everybody's in their own stage. And I think as a in terms of a business, it's something important to view and think about. And it's also difficult at times as an individual. And everyone, you know, we're a team. We're a group of five people and just a band. And we're, we are all different. So how do you create a business plan that appropriately represents the band but also all five members are comfortable with because we're very much five individuals right well and and and, you know you're alluding to this thing that i think a lot of people miss out and which is why i was excited to talk to you right like there's five guys that play instruments for a living that had to sit down with an excel spreadsheet don't don't be lost on that nuance right like these are not five guys who sit in a van and smoke pot all day and then scribble down on a moleskin notebook right before they go on stage those days are gone those days are absolutely gone right like you guys are doing pivot tables and right like figuring out marketing plans and all of that stuff because that's how you scheduled posting and like where we are next and like it's like things that you almost if you're if you are not the business person in the band, you need to have a hundred percent trust in the team of people involved with your band who are, um, it's no longer like artists can just be artists, at least at our level. I don't um, think at any level. I mean, even Aerosmith had to hire people, right? They, yes. Maybe they're not responding to Facebook posts, but they've got a team. That's as, what I'm, I'm saying if you have to, you have to form a team and, but, but you have to know that, right? Yes. Like you can't just sit on your hand. Like if you look at, and I know you and I were talking off air about like the pop world and, and mm-hmm. how there is this, um, reputation earned or otherwise about a lot of people in that space yes. get what isn't theirs. To- and your reputation now more than ever is so like everyone has an opinion because you are so achievable. Everything you do exists forever now. Sure. Like you're not allowed to have a bad show in 1960. If Bob Seeger got tanked before a show and went out and forgot the words to a song, no one knew that the next night of the show. Right. They didn't have 1080 HP iPhones at every single show videoing every single song to put on YouTube. And I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad or a good thing. Well, forget YouTube, dude. We're at Periscope world, I'm, right? Periscope like it's happening. Live. You know, it's happening in, a, in real time, right? Like so, these are things that we, as, like other people as consumers, are have to, having to learn to understand from a consumer standpoint. But we are having to learn to use it and understand it on a usable standpoint and it's something we didn't really sign up to do mm-hmm. but it's just an inevitable fact of your career path and then i would imagine that if you're not having formulated meetings about this but you guys have to sit down and come up with what that sequence is right like Absolutely. what are these scheduled posts what story does it tell when we sh- when we roll up to topeka kansas right. what does this look like how many instagram posts are there yes what is the facebook post is it a video and these things need to coincide with your personal page to some degree now sure. we're pretty much allowed to say what we would like on our personal page but with and bear in mind, it does still reflect the band, which in some ways so is really unfair. I so mean, who oversees that? Like who's making that call as we, to what you – I mean are, not censorship, but like who's the one that's keeping the, the Josh the cohesiveness. And, the, and the Pop Evil stuff cohesive? It's stuff that we talk about frequently um, and really there's like uh, th- three of us in the band, three members that are the most active posters. Myself and Lee and Matt are the most 
avid users. And then with our uh, personal manager, George, um, the Capellinis, he, he also is very involved with that. And so we share ideas. We bounce off ideas. We may text the photo to each other. And this is where technology is handy. You know, if I have a photo that I think is cool to post, I can always send it to everyone in a group message. And in three seconds, everyone can say yes, 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 or no, or we, I have a cooler post, you know. And right. This sounds ridiculous, but these are things like we have to deal with on a regular yeah. basis. You can't just throw a photo up and you have to be careful about offending people and all this other stuff, which to my personal opinion, if you're you know, using an ounce of education – there are some things that are going to offend people that I think is okay. Um, you have to choose a stance on some things. Well, at the, I mean, at the end of the day, business aside, you guys are making an art form, and art in and of itself can be controversial. Exactly, controversial is a better word than offensive. So, well, um, I mean, it depends on who you're talking to, well, right? That's like true. some people just can't handle controversy, so it no. goes to offense immediately, yes. right? Um, yes. You know, we were again, we were talking a little bit ago about how uh, sometimes you guys get this comparison to a Canadian band some people might have heard of, which is Nickelback. You yeah. know, and the controversy around Nickelback is this this debate which I, I think in some ways you can have and in some ways can border on ridiculousness as right. what the definition of good music is yeah so you get into the discussion of what is subjective and what is objective when you talk about art in general music is really easy you know people can say nickelback's a bad band and I say, well why do you think nickelback is a bad band and they may give me a, a list of reasons and I can say Nickelback is a good band. And that's really the argument that you can have all day back and forth. But you cannot argue that Nickelback is an extremely successful band. Sure. I mean, when you look at something that is very factual and provable, like album sales, mm -hmm. you know, and so. Or ticket sales. Tickets, or They still draw an insane amount. Of your, I mean, yeah, yeah. I was blown away when we played with them at the amount of people that showed up. And I don't, I didn't think they were like washed up by any means, you know, I didn't think that. But we've toured with a lot of pretty large rock bands and seen what bands can do as far as ticket sales. And I've never seen any rock band do what Nickelback does in the U S that blew my mind. Yeah. Well, and, and that goes to like this subjective discussion exactly. of what, it, what makes good music. Right. Yeah. And, and these people are showing up and maybe they don't have a connection to photograph, but they think it's a fun enough song to drink beer to. So that's a nice night Dude, out. And, their show is so much fun. Of course. This is. is very off topic. But, no, yeah. I think it's very it's much a, on topic because I would tell you that if, Chad was sitting next to you. He could blow off hours and hours yeah. of marketing philosophies that they put in place to get where they were. They didn't do that by luck. So Nickelback in a non-music comparison to me reminds me a lot of Starbucks. And this is why I'm saying Total, that. This, so, right. I don't and think, that's why I'm telling you it's not off topic. Yes. Right? Okay. So I don't think Starbucks has the greatest coffee in the world by any means. I don't think they have the greatest coffee in Seattle or really anywhere. Do I like to go to Starbucks? Maybe Iowa. They might Maybe. be most places in Iowa. But I love going to Starbucks. Sure. The experience, the the business model they have set up and execute is flawless. I, I people ask me like, like, hey, do you like Starbucks? And I, it's a very hard question. For me. So I really enjoy the experience of Starbucks. But there's so many other places that I like their coffee better. Mm -hmm. But when you include it all together, that's really difficult. I mean, Nickelback is is it the most musical, difficult, like you know, uh, advanced theory written music. No, but is it relatable? Okay. Now we're leaning towards more. Yes. Is it simple enough that people can hear it and it's catchy and it's memorable? Okay. Now. Yes. Uh, is the show a good experience overall when you're there? It's one of the most fun, it just like, it's just a good time. You don't have to like listen and think about what they're playing. You can just kind of relax and just enjoy yourself. And to some degree, and I've said this on more than one occasion, you know, in some degree, I've always thought of them as like, the rock version of pro wrestling, right? 
I, I do I know that Brock Lesnar and the Undertaker is fake? Yes, I do. Did I enjoy the shit out of SummerSlam? Yeah. Yes, do I did. Do you care? Not at all. Not at all when I'm in that moment, right? I mean, if we're going to f- write a theory of music yes. and what things make a, you know, the comparison, we'll go back to what you said 10 minutes ago. If you want to compare Tool to Nickelback, we're having a much different discussion. Right. A it, much more it's cerebral about, It's a way level of di- acceptance. Sure. Knowing what it is and accepting it for what it is. Like, people really, I feel like, so many people don't want to like Nickelback or, or similar bands, bands they they probably truly do enjoy because they're worried about what their friends are going to think. Well, this is too simple. Like if I tell them I like this, then they're going to think I'm an idiot. And like you got to right. get over that, man. I mean, the other day we were getting ready to go on stage and we're playing music and we have like two basically like setup modes before we go on to a show. One, sh- one show preparation mode is like if we want to get like hyped up and pumped up we might listen to something like seven dust or something you know get us drake anything that gets us ready or kanye sure uh and then our other one is like have fun and like goof off i mean we're playing like Nicki minaj super bass and people are like why do you even have this on your phone and i was like you can't tell me that when the song comes on you're like you know enjoy yourself mm-hmm. to some degree like do i think that you respect me more as a musician because i like it no but that, i'm not here to impress people i mean it's just so much of a conceived notion. People are so concerned with what society will think if they know that you like this. And, and I, you know, I, I think the more modern example of that, right, is an album that came out last year that Ryan Adams is remaking called 1989, right? Yes. Like there's another artist redoing an entire album by Taylor Swift. Yep. And if, and I've said this. A, pretty, a, a massively reputable artist. Not like a cover song nobody 1,000%. A guy that yeah. does not. I mean, a brilliant singer-songwriter who yes. does not need somebody else's songs. No. On any level, right? No. Um is covering an entire Taylor Swift album. He's and doing I, a tribute record. Yeah. Like, whoa, man. To somebody, to somebody who's alive with yes. an album that's 13 months old. Who's, ha- who's a third his age. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. And, you know, and so when you talk about music and you talk about marketing, I don't think you can ignore that monster because no. nobody is doing it better than she no. is. And I want to believe artists like Taylor Swift, to me, is like the perfect coming to terms with... There's, there's like three to four main components in music for me. You know, there's the songwriting, um, like in terms of catchiness, the hook. Sure. Really. Yep. Then there's the musicality, how difficult it may be, um, like if you're really showing off your musicianship or not. And then. Like uh, doing a whole song in 9-8 time, right? Yeah, that's awesome, man. If you can do that, <laughs> congratulations. If you love Dream Theater, I, that's killer. I can't play that, so that's awesome. It's not my thing. Taylor Swift prog rock. That's what's coming next from her. But when you uh, – every once in like you know uh, X amount of years, you get this artist that really, for me, hits a multitude of – like maybe three of the four pieces. And those people are deserving of every ounce of stardom. And for me, Taylor Swift is one of those artists. I don't feel like her songs are – are exponentially simple. I don't know that a lot of artists could always sing every one of them. I don't think it's prog rock, but also in the other degree, her songwriting is stellar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's stellar on a multiple, multiple levels. It's stellar because it is catchy and it is really hooky, but I also don't think that it's so like, so dumbed down that it's like repetitive and, and meaningless. I really feel like her songs are telling a true story. And I, but I, I would say, I think it took her a minute to get there. Yeah, of course. I think it took her, you still know, 20, I don't even mean that. I mean, I think she kind of had to get the shit songs out of the way, right? Like she had to do some of that stuff in the country world and then make her way over and still have some clunkers that Kanye West is going to make fun of. But I don't, I mean, you don't see Kanye West yapping about her now, right? I mean, she's, she's on every level, a superstar and a great role model. I mean, good for her. That's, that's awesome. But, um, yeah, back to the music and the marketing, it's just, 
branding yourself and then holding true to that brand is 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 everything. So what do you? So you guys are off for two weeks. What do you, do you guys kind of go dark or what, what is that process like? I would say everyone's a little different. Um, as far as a band, you know, social media never stops. We're never off work. Um, the fiance how, you know, does not how do you, that. How do you feel about that? Um, it's one of the, it's like, like I said earlier, it's like an inevitable of the job. Um, I, I set myself like some personal guidelines. Like I try not to be on Twitter and like answering people after you know like seven o'clock at night, and I'm definitely not doing it like before nine a.m. Yeah. Um, well, that would ruin the image. Yeah, I mean, dude, people think I'm getting up. People already know that I'm a terrible. I'm a terrible rock star. <laughs> I'm a joke. Uh, so th- those things never stop, and I think there's enough. There's always work to be done if you want to do work. You know, there's always something you could be doing to further yourself, and and then to some point you boil down between balancing home life and what your significant other, if you have one, deserves, and it definitely I think is a lot because they, we ask a lot of them. Sure. Um, but then also you want to do things to help yourself and help your career and learn and potentially, you know, grow as an individual and as, as part of this business for coming here and doing a podcast and discussing music. That's something I really love to do. And we definitely don't get always the opportunity. It's much different than an interview, you know? Right. So that was something that when you asked me, I was excited about people are like, well, you're off for two weeks. You should drive here and do an interview on the radio. And I'm just like, then why don't I just call you? Like, well, and, and, and I mean, let me do that interview for you. How, how's the tour going? Yeah. It's going great, man. How's the new record? The record's amazing. What was, <laughs> exactly. You know, what was it like to record the new record? Oh, well, we got in the studio and right. we, you know, we wrote some, you know, what was the most surprising thing you found out? Right. Yeah. Like these interviews. I want to be challenged and be debated with a little, or, or at least encouraged and pushed in a certain direction. Sure. You know, everyone is so afraid to take a stance on anything publicly. They're like terrified that if you say the wrong thing, you're well, but like you said, it's forever, people. right? Exactly. And I, you know, I, I think to some extent, some people just need to, you need to, if you're wrong, you just need to own it. But I think you need to take a stance, whatever that stance is. Well, if you're is. wrong or if you just, your opinion disagrees with somebody else's, it's okay. But, but in the age of social, and this is more communication theory than marketing, but in the age of social, that doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. Like you and I can't actually, I mean, we've been friends for a while, so I think we actually could do this, but we shouldn't be able to talk about presidential subjects. Right without screaming at each other in all caps. Yeah. Right. There's no discussion about gun control today happening on Facebook. <laughs> right. That's reasonable. No discussion. Well, I think it's because we used to see debates between people who were genuine, like genuinely educated on the subjects. And now yeah, you just well, see everyone taking part. And sure. I'm really sorry for everyone, but we're not all really educated on the topics, myself included. And I'm, I'll be the first to say like, Hey, what do you think about this? Well, this is my personal opinion, but I really don't know a whole lot about it. And, you know, and we got, we had some presidential candidate debates within the band the other day. And it's just interesting to see what people know, what people don't know, what people want to look up. Um, but I, I always think like when we're using the internet and you, you were talking earlier about a band that's opening up for you and, and how you'd like to see them get to the next level. And, and I always mm-hmm. feel like the internet is that caveat or that, that catalyst to get you to do that. Yeah. But I always also feel that specifically on today, days like today when we're dealing with a tragedy happening in the United States, right. that we're not necessarily using it as this mode of communication where we can celebrate profound ideas or have really in-depth discussions about ways that we could handle these things differently. Yeah, absolutely. I have, you know, I have an internal thought of why, why is it easier than ever to, to get access to education and to information and we just choose not to like, 
I realize also there's a lot of fake information on the internet. I don't think a lot of people do realize and, that. And I think some of that's the issue, right? Like it becomes difficult if you want to use the journalism 101, the ability to have you know dual sources. Sometimes you can't get dual sources. Right. You know, you saw, I mean, you saw it. It's been going on for two weeks, but I saw it again yesterday that Willie Nelson is dead. Yeah. He's not dead. Um, right. Like they've got a fake. I got told yesterday that James Hetfield was dead. No, he's not. Well, I mean, and you know, you're seeing sites like the, the Willie Nelson site is msbnc.co as opposed to msnbc.com. Right. So it looks pseudo real and then it takes off and it's, and it's not. And it's I not think real. some of that obviously gets in the way of this communication, but it's also a little bit of a feedback loop that we buy into these hoaxes and it, keep them going. It's like anything. I feel like in the, in, in, in industry where we almost, we, we ha- inevitably have to go too far with it to realize, Oh man, we, uh, we need to step back for, for downloading music. For example, we took it way too far, you know, anything from, you want to talk about nutrition and food, like the industrialization of the food and eating sugar and not, and now like all this is kind of like, we went all the way and I'm like, uh, wait, we went too far. Bring it back and rewind. It's just like a human nature. We, sure. we don't know what's too much until you've experienced too much. And they're like, Oh no. And the only, the only thing that I find interesting about that argument is not that I disagree with you, but all those examples you have, have a stopping point, right? There was a, there was a finite amount of music that I could steal before I didn't care anymore. Yep. So we stopped and we stepped back. There is a finite amount of sugar I can consume before I die. Yeah. And then we step back, right? My kids would go, well, don't, you know, don't do you should not do that, right? Um, but there's no scale to the internet. Yeah, that's it, true. You know, so it's not like this it is, is slowing down. Source. It's getting faster and faster yes. and faster and faster. And easier. And easier and, and, you know, more ubiquitous. Like you, you and I both, we haven't spoke about this, but we both have like in our head internal clocks of when we don't do stuff because we have to because otherwise we would. Like yeah. I would be on Twitter all day. You can work it, all yes, you can. day. Yeah. I mean – and Americans more than ever are like that. I don't understand. I don't know what, I, I don't know when that happened. Like it's like when we travel and go to Europe, you know, we go, I, I want to go somewhere and go to a store and it's like nine o'clock and everything is closed. And I'm like, what are people doing? And they're like, they go home with their family. They're celebrating like, life. Man. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, well, it, you know, so you contrast, like I was in New York a month ago, you contrast that and like there are stores open at 6am in yeah. New York, right? Like they're just. People don't sleep. They, they close for 90 minutes and that's it, right? You can go to the Gap at 6 a.m. in New York City. Why do you need to go to the Gap that bad? But you can. You don't need right? to, man. Like, but, but, you know, to talk marketing, somebody did, so they're open, right? right? Like somebody needed Chino's that day and they, they you know, <laughs> they, they opened for them yeah. and then the rest is They were on their history. way to work to go work on the railroad at 6 a.m. and yeah. they spilled coffee on their Chino. So then you're like, I need to stop at the Gap. I need to stop at the Gap and Shit, thank God it was closed. open. So, yeah. We well, go. dude, I, you know, I, like I said, I know you're on break, so I, I thank you for spending no, a couple not minutes, anytime. but, um, you know, I like to give everybody a chance when they're on this doing interviews to like shout out to their stuff. So if people want to get the album. What's the best place? Yeah, like, the new where- album is out. You can get it. Well, you can get it anywhere online streaming sources. So, uh, you know, iTunes, uh, Amazon, all that stuff. It's also available to listen. If you're a streamer, it is on Spotify. You can also go pick up digital cop or uh, physical copies. And I believe we're in like every store with this record first time ever. So but is the exclusive one just at Best Buy? Best Buy is the deluxe. And I think Walmart also has a deluxe version. Target is carrying the record, not the deluxe version. Gotcha. And we do have vinyls available, and I don't know where, because I have one already. So, gotcha. so I why would not look? Right. Fair enough. And if people want to connect with you, how do they do that? What's Please, the best way? Uh, yeah, hit me up on Twitter anytime. I'm available on Twitter uh, at Chachi Riot on Twitter uh, or the band page at Pop Evil, and we're all very active on that. We're all on Facebook. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're pretty easy to find. I mean, if you look for us at all. Josh from Pop Evil, thank you for spending some time with us. Of course, thank you. Enjoy your break.